This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, whatever the case may be. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's live call-in show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. We are here thanks to our, our sponsors, Brevecto, 12-week protection for fleas and ticks, and more than a cone, raising awareness of animal welfare through the arts, and, of course, Save This Life Microchip, who I'm still threatening to have uh, Mr. Chance White on as a, a guest just to talk about the whole issue with lost pets and microchips and scanners and what's going on with the industry and some companies that are not abiding by certain rules and regulations. Important stuff for you to know. And as I said, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. So you have to get a hold of us. We're a live call-in show. That means you need to call in. And uh, our number is 877-385-8882. Once again, write it down, 877-385-8882. Or better yet, you can join us here live on Google Hangouts. Very easy. Go on to Pet Life Radio. Dot com, and you find a little tab that says Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Click it and scroll down, and you will see a Google Hangouts link left for you by our wonderful producer, Mark Winter. And you will have an, an opportunity to join us live with your pets. Have them on your lap, have anything, uh, any questions you have, anything that you've been dying to ask your veterinarian, or you couldn't get through to your veterinarian because veterinarians are so busy. And I know because I am one. <laughs> I don't just play one on TV or on radio. And uh, anyway, yes, we want to help you and help you out with your pets. And best of all, it's free. So uh, any advice I can give you to help you along, help you wade through all the information you're getting from your doctors about what to do next, and I will help you make that decision. So um, anyway, as I always like to do, we are cruising through the American Veterinary Medical Association Smart Brief and the American Animal Hospital Association News Feed called Newstat, and uh, just kind of what's going on out there in the world of animal news. I picked up some great stories, but first I want to uh, share a cute little story. I am, I mean, I have lots of dogs and lots of cats. We're actually, when I say people would hear this and they go down, down to eight. And I would say, yeah, down to eight because uh, I'm having as many as 11 at one point, six cats and five dogs. Now we're down to four and four. Anyway, though, two of the cats that we lost, we didn't really lose. One of my kids stole them when she moved out. They were spraying her, her apartment and uh, the whole complex and they wanted all the animals out. So for the last week, we had those two back. And God, it was a lot of fun. I mean, just six cats is a lot of cats, I got to tell you. It's a lot of feeding, a lot of litter to clean up. But man, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, so someone brought in to my office. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you after the break. A little hamster, really, really cute little hamster, like a little dwarf. And um, we were trying to figure out somebody we're going to give it away. And anyway, it was so cute. And you'll see that I decided, you know, what the heck? I'm going to take him home. Now, mind you, you know, when, when my kids were younger, I mean, now they're, you know, ranging from 27 to 34. But when they were younger, of course, we had the hamsters and we had the guinea pigs and we had the rats. And, uh, and of course, we had cats that loved rats, which was really cool. Not love to kill them, to eat them. I mean, love to play. In fact, how we found this out, one thing was very funny. We were cleaning the, you know, when you had those, the big enclosure, you have to clean it out with the sawdust and all that crap anyway. So we'd take the, the rats and we'd put them in 
one of the bathrooms in a tub while we're cleaning and hosing and scrubbing and, and refilling it with fresh. So when we're all done, I went back into the bathroom to grab the rats. And who's in the tub with the rats playing? One of my cats. Somehow he snuck in, didn't even know it. Anyway, yeah, my cats actually liked to play with rats. So go figure. Anyway, this thing is really cute, and I'll, uh, I'm going to try to get it out. He bit me this morning. I can't believe it. He was eating, and he's so cute that he would come literally right on your hands. You put your hand in front of him. He would call right in your palm. And this time he came up. He sniffed it just before taking a step. He gave me a bite right on the finger. So uh, I'm not a happy camper this morning. Anyway, so uh, a couple of things. Um, important smart brief. Number one, lepto, leptospirosis. They've been finding it in Oregon in sea lions along the coast. And we know that this can be deadly, definitely can affect dogs and, and other animals. So the warnings are if you live in that area or if you are visiting, because it's a beautiful area, to keep your dogs away from carcasses and from um, any kind of marine life that you see, um, either you know dead or stranded animals, don't take a chance because lepto is there and it's killing sea lions and very, very serious condition. Typically, what I tell people, you know, lepto used to be part of, if you, if you remember, LP vaccine. That was a standard vaccine. Then they changed. They found out that hepatitis and the adenovirus cross-reactive. So they changed the name because it's more specific, the DA2PL or DA2PP and whatever. L, again, is lepto. And we're finding out that as we are trying to become more sensitized about vaccine and about the fact that less is sometimes more, we've started to evaluate diseases and the likelihood of getting them for your pet's lifestyle or area, location, geographical location, and only selecting what we call core vaccines in specific to a certain area or lifestyle. And lepto, we don't see lepto just in the streets. It's, it's usually shed in the urine, feces of wild animals, rodents. So if you, I tell people, if you spend a lot of time in the mountains, if you go hiking a lot, then absolutely get a lepto vaccine. But we also see and know that lepto vaccine is one of the vaccines that seems to cause more of an irritation, more of a vaccine reaction. So why give it to a dog who's not going to be subjected to the possibility of getting lepto? And that's the same thing with like Corona. We talk about Corona. To me, it's not worth giving Corona. But corona is like a 24-hour stomach flu. And do I want to you know, risk another vaccine and vaccine reaction and, and an additional vaccine you know, when you're giving all the others already because of a 24-hour stomach flu? No, uh, not for me. So I don't recommend Corona. Certainly Bordetella in our area here in Los Angeles is core. Distemper parvo, definitely core. Rabies required by law. So that sort of makes it core. Heartworm in our area is not huge. So I don't recommend necessarily for everybody putting their pets on heartworm prevention. And uh, the other biggie is Lyme. And again, Lyme, it's not a big problem here. Now, if you live in the Northeast where a Lyme is very prevalent, then absolutely your Pets, your dogs should be vaccinated against Lyme as well. How about rattlesnake? Again, how many little foo-foo Maltese and, and chihuahuas living in, along in a high-rise in the Wilshire Corridor, right, that barely see the light of day or have to, have to worry about rattlesnakes? So don't do it. Don't give the vaccine. If, however, you have a dog and you love to go into the mountains and you're hiking, then, of course, you want to get rattlesnake vaccine also. So this is how you want to review vaccine. But anyway, back to the lepto and the sea lions. It is potentially deadly. So talk to your veterinarian. Is it something that's prevalent in your area? And if so, or for your lifestyle with your pets, then definitely consider it. This is really, this is one of those feel-good stories. And it's basically, this is a golden retriever named Chi-Chi who was left for dead outside of a dog processing meat plant in South Korea. And 
when people saw this dog, all four of its legs were bound up with wire. They were all swollen, and the distal portion of the legs from the middle of the um, forearm down, the foreleg down, were already like destroyed, no blood supply. And when these people saw the dog and went up to it, it started wagging its tail. And oh my God. So they said, you know what? This dog belongs somewhere. So they rescued the dog. They had to amputate all four of the feet up to just above the wrist. Now they fitted the dog with prostheses, a prosthetic legs. And this dog now acts as it's a quadruple amputee. And it works now as a therapy dog. It went through a class with other dogs, many other Goldens as well. And it's certified as a therapy dog. It works at a veteran's center. It works at an assisted care facility, and it works with disabled children, kids. And they say it's, it's unbelievable to see this poor dog literally on the verge of euthanasia, that despite the pain it must have been experiencing with his legs bound up like that, no blood supply, literally had to amputate them. You can imagine what this poor dog was like. And when it was found, it, it was wagging its tail. So that kind of tells us a lot about dogs. And to work with people themselves with certain disabilities and see what Chi-Chi has overcome. It's unbelievable. You can look up, if you, just to see there's a video about this dog. It's amazing. You should try to find it. I saw the story in the Washington Post, but you can find it. I'm just, I'm sure if you go onto YouTube and look up Chi-Chi, C-H-I-C-H-I, the quadruple amputee golden retriever therapy dog, you will see amazing stuff about this dog. I thought this was also pretty cool. And that was that we know that there are a lot of companies out now that are making, you know, kind of like the ring or these cameras that you could put in your homes to keep an eye on your pets. We have the Nest cameras at our house. So we know what's going on in the home during the day. With the ring, we have the camera at the front door. We can know who's coming in and out of the house. I mean, these are all, and they're all linked to your phone. And every time there's movement, you get an alert on your phone. So it's pretty cool. And you can log on anytime and just, you know, observe. So this one company, it's called the PetCam. They started doing some behavior analyses. They are gathering data through cameras, through watching dogs at home, you know, with or without people on the camera. And they're starting to do a behavior analysis software. So this is great. So they're learning more about animal behaviors linked to their health and their moods. So they're going to try to start having software so you can, by learning about an animal's behavior, what it does during the day, they're hoping that we can determine what kind of mood they're in. Are they in a happy mood? Are they lonely? Are they anxious, et cetera? And um, I think it's pretty cool. Of course, anytime you're dealing with something like this, there's going to be a certain degree of what we call anthropomorphization. That you To anthropomorphize, that means we are putting our own values in a dog's psyche because we say, okay, if we did that, we'd be feeling X. So therefore, since the dog is doing that, they must feel X too. Eh, that's kind of walking a thin line. I mean, because we really don't know what they're thinking. But like we talked about, was it last week or the week before, the facial recognition that their moods change based on what they recognize in our face. And, you know, they definitely recognize changes in our face. But do they feel, you know, guilty? Let's say they did something wrong and you look at them a certain way, they truly start feeling guilty. And it's a good question. I mean, if you look, I'm sure many of you are listening to this right now and saying, oh, yes, they do, because I, I've given that look to my dog with the garbage drill over the floor. They know exactly what they did. And they start tail behind their legs and they're starting to hide. So, you know, they're, they're pretty smart. They read us pretty well. We haven't said a word. We just looked at them. So, uh, no, it is. It's kind of funny. It's, it's very amusing. So, um, 
Anyway, we're getting ready for the break. I'm going to go see if I can grab my little hamster. And also, just when we come back, I really would love to hear from you. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or join us live on Google Hangouts. Just go to PetLifeRadio.com. Click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab and click on the Google Hangouts link. And what we're going to talk about is this. And it just happened to me this week. And I, I started realizing I would love to hear our listeners chime in on this one because I don't, it's one of those things where I don't think there's a right answer or a wrong answer. And that is this for any of you. And even if you don't are not involved in this world, it's still, I'd love to hear opinions, but this is the world of rescue. And the question often comes when we are presented with a dog who's pregnant. Okay. It's a rescue dog. Do we let them have puppies or do we abort? Want to hear what you think. So uh, right when we get back from the break, we'll talk about just that subject. Don't go away. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. As a dog, I know a lot about fleas and ticks, so trust me when I say no other tasty chew protects dogs as long as Brevecto. One Brevecto chew keeps fleas and ticks away for up to 12 weeks. Be a good human and ask your vet about Brevecto. Brevecto may cause vomiting. Get the stinky dog away from me. Bad breath and bad gas. PD stopped eating. All his hair fell out. Itching, licking, missing fur. At least $5,000 in vet bill. Creams, antibiotics, sprays. No results. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. The shedding is stopped and the itching is stopped. Her coat is not soft, it's silky, it's healthy and shiny and glossy. She's got life, she's got energy. Tons of energy, no more bad smell. Dynavite's the bomb. <gasps> Dynavite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. <laughs> 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. So I'm back. I'm back with Lucy. Lucy is a little dwarf hamster. Lucy is a boy, but go figure when you ask a three-year-old and a two-year-old what you want to name your hamster, it's going to be whatever name pops in their head, and it was Lucy. So we're not going to change it because uh, what's the difference? There's a boy named Sue, right? Now there's a boy named Lucy. So anyway, really, really cute and love sunflower seeds. We're learning that. But I tell you, he is so gentle, except for the bite he, he bit me this morning, but he's, uh, you know, he's really, really gentle. He's really, really cute. So let me go put him back in his little cage while we're going to talk about when and if to spay female dogs, obviously females, that are pregnant in the rescue world. Hold on one second. I'm going to reach over here, put the little guy back. So, and I'm back. So what do you do and what criteria? And, you know, this is something where it's so personal, even amongst our rescue groups. So, you know, and as I'm sitting there, um, I have the picture, I don't know if you saw my Instagram, of four adorable, I mean adorable puppies that when they rescued mom, she was clearly pregnant. 
and they chose to let her have the puppies and they're really cute. But let's look at some of the factors that we have to deal with. When you work with rescue, and I work with a number of rescue groups, there are two limiting factors. Of course, there's money. I, I don't know any rescue group that has an unlimited budget. But, you know, donations, there are ways to get around some of the money issues. But the next thing, it's not just the money, but it's the space. And a lot of the rescue groups that have shelters to work with or hospitals like mine, there's only a limited amount of space, and then they rely on fosters. And there are a limited amount of fosters out there. So you have to realize that with increased numbers of unwanted pets comes the increased challenges with what to do with these pets. And as we know, pets that don't have fosters, don't have room at a vet hospital, don't have room at the rescue's own kennels, uh, and many rescues do are fortunate enough to have kennel space of their own. So what happens? Now they have to end up in regular shelters, many of which, unfortunately, actually most of which are not no-kill, meaning the fate of these dogs is really not a good one. So what happens is a decision really has to be made. What is better for every new puppy born by a rescue group, by a rescue dog, that if they can find a home for those puppies, and they, they often do their best to try, what happens to the same? Let's say there are four puppies. That means potentially there are four dogs that are already born, already healthy, already well-known to find that would be great pets for a forever home, and yet they're going to be put to sleep because they're not enough homes. Because the same home that took one of these new pups could have taken this pup instead. So it really becomes a major philosophical dilemma. What do you do? So, you know, it's interesting, and, I, and I'm, I don't even have a right or wrong. I work with these rescues. It is their whim. If I were to guide them, if they even care of my opinion, it will go something like this. That is, I always will, you know, if, I have a, if we have a female that we suspect might be pregnant, I will do an ultrasound and take x-rays. My feeling is that if the skeletons are already developed, they're already calcified. You can see skeletons on an x-ray. I do not like to abort. I do not like to spay her at that time. My personal opinion, if we have just budding embryos that have not developed anything and, and all you see on ultrasound is a little nub, then I would consider aborting at that point and not bringing in these new pets, which really aren't developed yet enough for me to see them as a new pet or new puppy yet or a new kitten yet. And, uh, and again, that's how I feel about it. And um, some of the rescues will let us abort, want us to abort much later. I don't like to do that. And some want, if there's any sign of pregnancy at all, they want to let them have the pups. And which again, if that's what they want, that's what we do. But, you know, it's one of those very, very difficult situations because, again, I, there is no right or wrong answer. Everybody has their own opinions, their own feelings. At what point in the rescue world, and again, this is specifically the rescue world, I would feel totally different with privately held, privately owned. But in the rescue world, and we know that animals are getting put to sleep by the thousands, they estimate one every seven seconds in the U.S., a dog or a cat is being put to sleep simply because there's not enough homes or not enough dollars to keep them going. And kill shelters, which are unfortunately most of them are, you know, they do their best. They really do. And I've, I've spoken to employees at these shelters that are heartbroken when they have to put these animals to sleep. It's not something they do willfully and not something they do happily, but they know they have to do it. 
and just to, to make more room. If the dog's been there over a certain amount of time and has not yet been adopted, they consider it not adoptable. And it's really not fair in the sense that if there was more time, it just wasn't the right place, the right person, the right home. But give it another week or two or three or four or five, then chances are this pet would be adopted. So because of those challenges, many of us feel that we have to take a bold stand. We have to offer an opinion. And that's all it is. It's an opinion. And um, I'm just curious. Love to know what you think. I mean, if you are, uh, if you want to give us a call at 877-385, if you want to think about it and chime back uh, next week, that'd be great. Or send me an email to drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com and throw your two cents in. And if you have any personal experiences with this dilemma, and I admit it is a dilemma, let us know. But then having said all this, as I'm sitting there holding these little puppies, it's like, oh my God, are they so cute. And you, one would think that because they are so adorable, that more homes would open up. That would not affect, wouldn't that be great? That more homes would open up. So yes, these four puppies will be adopted. And yet it would not affect four puppies or four dogs in a shelter right now that may be put to sleep because they did not get adopted because these were adopted. So you know, in fact, many, I, I shouldn't say many, I know here in Los Angeles, the limit of dogs that one is allowed to have as a private family, uh, private home without a kennel license was three. That was the max, which was a problem for me when I had more than that. But I still do. But now it's four. And now after having said goodbye to good old Grover back in June, I have four and not five. So now I'm legal. I never was before because I really don't care. But anyway, uh, no, it's something that uh, if you have the space, understand the limiting factors again that are stopping these rescues from getting more dogs. There's just not enough homes, not enough fosters. And, you know, I, let me, let's talk about fosters for a quick second. And that is I'm truly impressed. It's like one of my clients was doing puppy raising for one of the guide dogs programs here in Southern California. And he would have these magnificent Labrador Retriever, and he'd have more than one that he would keep for the first six months and as a puppy raiser. And um, it's amazing that you can go through sometimes the most difficult time, the period of having a pup is during the house training phase and all that stuff and the, the basic you know, um, training. And then when you have this fantastic dog, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. You give them up. And you start all over again with another one with peeing and pooping all over the house and things like that. That takes a certain person. And uh, so I had one of our fosters was in the other day with a fostered pup. And the dog is really, really cute. And, uh, and they said, they're not going to keep the dog. They're just fostering it. I said, how do you, how do you let it go? I, I can never. <laughs> why, why do you think I have so many pets? I can't have an animal in the house acclimate the, the pet to my other animals, me to that pet, my other animals to that pet, and then say goodbye. No, it's not going to happen. So um, I guess it's all about a, the kind of personality that you have, but I have to hand it to you. If you can do that, my hat's off to you because there's no way I can. And you're doing such an amazing deed to help these rescues because we know once that shelter space or the rescue kennel space becomes used up, right? It's filled to the brim. The cage space that the veterinarians like myself offer to these groups is topped out. Now what? So that literally, they go through these shelters. They try to find these pets that are truly adoptable, where people find them on the street, wherever the case may be. Their determination, the decision whether or not to keep this pet or take it in as, as one of the rescues has to do with all that. 
So if there's no room, no space at their facility, no space at their veterinarian's facility, and no foster homes, they have to say no. And surely we know what happens. Anyway, would love to hear from you about this subject. What would your criteria be? When would you abort, if you would at all? When you would not, if you won't? And why? Not just, I'd like to know why, kind of your philosophy. And uh, so get a hold of me. Leave me your phone number because next week when you call, when you um, write me, I will we'll give you get you on the phone at least and talk about it. So thanks once again for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. Hope you thought Lucy was really cute because I think she's really cute. Um, and I would love to hear from you about the subject of when or if to abort rescue dogs um, when uh, we know there may be some issues with those puppies. Uh, thanks again to Brevecto, Save This Life Microchip, More Than a Cone. And thanks again to Pet Life Radio, and we will see you here next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.